Welcome to 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, where I help passionate entrepreneurs condense an hour of business research into 22 minutes of powerful conversations filled with knowledge, stories, and advice to help you achieve your one-year goal in 90 days. From national stages to your earbuds, I'm here to tell you that it's possible to have a profitable and sustainable business without the fear of overwhelm and uncertainty that comes with being an entrepreneur. It's all mojo and none of the fluff. It's time to get motivated in 22 minutes. All right, welcome back to this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. And as you know, this is our brand performance podcast. Now, today we have a really special guest. We have Dr. Guy Baker, and he's with Wealth Teams Alliance. He's a wealth counselor, and he has been a consultant for over 50 years. He's a frequent writer and a speaker. He has addressed advisors in more than 30 countries and appeared on numerous talk shows. He's spoken several times from the main platform of the Million Dollar Roundtable. And so, Guy, I just want to welcome you to today's episode. Well, thank you very much, Marlo. It's nice to be with you. Absolutely. Okay. So for those people who are maybe not familiar, because I think this is a catalyst for you and through your experience, but can you define and describe for our, our audience listeners what the Million Dollar Roundtable stands for? Sure. It's a international association of financial advisors. And unlike many associations where you pay your dues and join, you have to qualify. And so they set the qualification to be among the top 5% of all income earners in various countries. So the the members of this are the creme de creme of the financial services industry. And the unique thing about the roundtable that most people don't really appreciate is there's no competition. They are there to share their ideas and to learn. And so it becomes a, a really dynamic, exciting meeting every year where people get together and they get to renew old friendships, make new friendships, and to share ideas of what has worked for them to be able to bring value and service to their clients. You know, the thing that I find most fascinating about that, I love people to qualify to get to great, right? Like we don't want to reward mediocrity, but these people put an eye on the prize, say, I want to be part of that circle of influence and they drive towards it. Yes? Absolutely. And uh, they not only have the round table, but then they have a group called the top of the table, which is the top. 10% or 5% of those that qualified for the roundtable specifically. And then that group has a separate meeting where they're able to maybe dig down even deeper with some of the ideas that they want to share. Fantastic. Okay. So, you know, finance, it's an area either people are really thrilled about and extremely knowledgeable about, or they have no idea, right? (laughs) And so what have you, you know, what do you find in your space of, of, you know, having success in the financial sector? Uh, What kind of advice could you give our business owners today in that space? Well, I think what my wife defined this a long time ago, and she really would be a neophyte in the financial advice world, but she said people are options deprived. In other words, usually when you get into a situation where you're trying to think of what you should do, you may not really have all the options available to you uh, from an analytical point of view to be able to make the best decision. And I think what oftentimes happens is people get stuck in making decisions based on the limited information they have instead of taking the time to expand that information so that they could make a better decision. Yeah. And I think that goes for so many things in life. You know, when we educate ourselves, we find out a little bit more. It just makes the decisions that we have to make that much easier, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we're, we've experienced a, a worldwide pandemic, you know, you're in finance. How have you seen that impact the business world today? And what are you finding with the clients that you serve as the biggest challenges that they're facing right now? Well, I just saw a, uh, an article that came out on one of the many websites I go to that was talking about the K recovery. And the, by that, they meant that some companies have recovered quite well uh, and some companies haven't. And so I think it just depends on which uh, group you're in. You know, those that have provide, are able to provide services and be efficient and effective in this marketplace are thriving because they've got more business than they know what to do with. And the ones that are really struggling are still really struggling. You know, like restaurants, for instance, would be in the lower arm of the K. So, but the ones that are doing well are just hitting the ball out of the park. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're we're witnessing such a such a difference, I think. And you know, a lot of what we see and we serve business owners, you know, it's our, it's how well are your systems in place, right? Where can you take that system and where can you tweak it in the greatest advantage so you can thrive and not just survive in this space today, right? Yeah, and, and I you know, processes and procedures are really important. I I think one of the things that I've seen is is that you know, because of the forced dynamics that have been put into our world today, you know, living at home, lockdowns, you know, not being able to socialize quite the same way, new technologies like, you know, the internet Zooms and go to meetings and what have you uh, have opened up a whole new way of thinking about doing business and provided a whole different way of interacting with staff who may not need to be in the office every day. And so I I think it's very exciting to see some of the changes that have come about as a result of this. Well, I'm sure. And I mean, your experience in this arena, you know, you've been at this for a very long time, over 50 years. Is that correct, Guy? That is correct. Yeah. But I'm I'm only 37. I love it. We're only going to hold you to that, too. (laughs) Okay, so you wrote a book recently. I mean, you've got multiple books out there. But the the recent book is The Great Wealth Erosion. And it kind of details the four factors that investors need to manage to improve their portfolio performance. So let's just go there for just a minute. You know, what what is the like when you were writing that book, what was the most exciting for you that you wanted to share? Well, what's kind of interesting about that book was that uh, the, you mentioned uh, my doctorate. I, I completed that doctorate about three years ago, four years ago now, and my doctorate was on fees. And so, you know, one of the things that we, we're really focused on is efficiency in portfolios. And so, you know, but efficiencies can come from different ways. And so the reason that I entitled the book The Great Wealth Erosion is because if you're not aware of all the ways return can be uh, eroded from your portfolio, you, you're not going to get the best outcome over time. And, and let me just give you one quick example, Marlo. If you look at money over a 25-year period and there's a 1% differential in return, that could have a 20 to 25% differential in an outcome, assuming no distributions and everything. A 2% differential is about 43%, 45%. So, you know, it's incremental. And if you can add another quarter of a percent or a half a percent or three quarters of a percent to a return, you can have a dramatic impact on the outcome of your portfolio. Fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, here's again, we're listening to your expertise, right? For those that are not immersed in this space, they just don't really have an understanding. And I think that's why this podcast episode is so rich, because you're you're bringing to light some of the things that you really want to create awareness around. 
And that's important. I mean, right there, those, it sounds small, right? When we're talking one and two, it seems minuscule, but when you put that on a compound effect over a period of time, that's what you're just, that's what you're talking about here. And it's, it's large. Right. And the erosion can occur in taxes, it can occur in fees, external and internal fees. It can occur in allocation. I mean, you know, you have a bad allocation, you could lose one, two, 5% over a compounded period of time because you didn't allocate appropriately. So there's lots of ways for erosion to take place in a portfolio that most people are not clued into. Yeah. Okay. So another thing that you've given some some phenomenal awareness to is you have three questions that no one really can answer. Can you take us, Guy, into that space? Yeah. Well, so when I, when I make a generalization like that, it's based on surveys that have been done by various retirement institutes. But the, the first one, question is probably the most important. And it's sort of like thinking about going on a, a, a trip you know, a a journey and having no idea how to get there because you don't know where you're going. And so the first question is, how much money do you really need at retirement in order to be able to produce the income that you want to have when you are ready to retire? So so that's the first question. What's your number? What what should that number be? Uh, The statistics show 85 to 90 percent of Americans could not tell you what that number is. The second uh, question is, okay, given how much you've already saved, how much more do you have to save on a monthly or an annual basis to reach that number now that you know what it is? And then the third question is, is do you have a, a, a reasonable way to invest, a process, an intellectual framework, if you will, for investing that gives you the highest probability of reaching your objective with the least amount of risk? So those are the three questions. Yeah. No, and you've spent a lot of time and you've spoke a lot about those those three questions, I think, in, in prepping people. Which of the three do you find um, kind of most surprising? Well, I, you know, I, that's a great question, Marlo. And I don't think that I could quantify a differential because they actually build on each other. And if mm-hmm. so, if you don't know your number, you're not going to know how much to save. And if you don't know how much to save, where are you going to invest it? But but people generally have no idea how to invest their money uh, successfully over a long period of time. You know, they've, you know, they've relied on uh, articles or other people that have come into their life or, you know, friends and neighbors who knows, who knows where they get this information. And then they don't have a goal. Yeah. So I, I'd say both of those are really critical. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Now, here's the thing. When we're working with the younger generation, right, we're talking TikTok. We're talking Robin Hood investing. I mean, what have you seen? And I know that's a totally different avenue than where you serve, Guy, but do you have any opinions on kind of where that younger generation is getting their information and how they're applying it and how it's affecting their their bigger picture of wealth? Well, I think Robin Hood and TikTok are, are great from the standpoint that they've really brought an awareness to the younger generation about the importance of managing money and investing and and trying to get positioned for you know a lifetime of growth so that they they don't become broke you know they're not broke when they retire the problem is is that there's no real education behind it and because there's no education behind it they may be uh, of the misimpression if you will uh, that you can outguess the market. And the truth is all the research, uh, and again, I, I rely on my, the academic background I have, all the research that I've read 
says that, that you cannot successfully outguess the market over any extended period of time. So this idea that we're going to find a gain stock and, and ride that to the top consistently for the next 25 or 30 years doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. No, and I really hope people pay attention to that because there's just too much risk out there. And, um, you know, money is is not easy to earn all the time. And so we need to be really strategic in how we're spending it. You know, it's the same kind of currency as time. I mean, be careful in what you're using your time with, your money with, and uh, in the value that that brings. Okay. Well, there's so a lot of, there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said there. And what's interesting is, is that the mantra for people who have wealth is they would rather have a return of their money than a return on their money describe that even deeper well just the fact that as they you know when they've accumulated wealth taking risk and trying to grow that at some you know exponential return is not their key you know that's not what their focus is what their focus is is to make sure that their money is safe secure and that they're getting a fair rate of return on their money and they don't they're more interested in keeping their money and having access to it then they are taking a lot of risk with it. Yeah. And so you look at it differently, right? I mean, it's just the overall, yeah. it's like money comes to comfort instead of um, valuables. You know, it's just yeah. a different frame, frame line. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Okay. I, you know, I, I've had this come up a number of times because I have interaction with a lot of the younger generation and they're saying, you know, should I pay cash for a car? Okay. And so let's say the car is $10,000. Well, if they're 25 years old, if you use the rule of 72, that $10,000 paid in cash for that car could be worth at retirement $350,000, $400,000 just through compounding of having invested that successfully, consistently over a long period of time. And so when I ask them, you know, would you be willing to pay $350,000 for that car? They go, oh, absolutely not. I said, well, that's what you're really paying when you give $10,000 in cash for that car. What a beautiful analogy. I mean, and again, people don't think like that, right? They're not looking long game. I think right now more than ever, people just want a quick fix. They want it now. They want it here. They want it to to return quickly. But that's not really what you're saying. And that's not why people are successful. It's the long game when it comes to wealth. Absolutely. And the other part of it is, is that, you know, if you think about what the, I mean, the reason they want to do is they don't want a car payment, right? Right. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. let's take that car payment and invest it consistently and compound it over the same period of time. And that car payment is going to be worth $50,000, you know, 35, 40 years from now, as opposed to that 350000 So right. the, the point being, you can't make up for it by having uh, deferred or, you know, not had to deal with the monthly payment on the car. They're far better off making the monthly payment on the car and keeping the 10000 invested. I love it. I love it. And it's such such smart advice. And what may seem really simple to you because you wear that hat on a daily basis and you see the, the, you know, the loss and the win from that vantage point. I just think hearing that message is so powerful because you're right. A lot of people don't understand just that one simple example of how it can really impact them over the long term. And that's why investing is so powerful. Absolutely. I, I teach every time I get a chance to talk to somebody the rule of 72 because, you know, you, if money doubles every 10 years at 7%, how many intervals do you have left? Well, you know, if you're 25, you know, you probably have four, four and a half intervals to age 70. If you are 50, you know, you've only got uh, two intervals to 50 and, or to 70. So 
when you take into consideration how much money can grow in that period of time, it really brings home the importance of saving early, keeping it invested, investing wisely, and having an intellectual framework that can get you to your final destination. Mm, phenomenal. All right. So here's the thing too. Um, I want people to know this about Dr. Guy Baker. I mean, you are, anybody who really, really knows you knows that you're just a Christian at the core, right? And I really value that, just that value that you bring and how you help people, you know, through that. How has that benefited you? What has that done for your staff? And, and how does that help? I mean, just when we're talking values here, right? How has that impacted you professionally? Well, I think I love that question, and I'm, I'm glad that we can bring that out in this discussion. You know, when, when I started this company 35, 40 years ago, we started it as a ministry. It, it, it was never meant to be a business first and a ministry second. It was always meant to be a ministry first and, and a business second. And because of that, you know, my employees, I, I've had employees with me 25, 30, 35 years that we have very little turnover. You know, our client base uh, has been very consistent over that period of time. And I just think, you know, the biblical values that come out through the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, when you evidence that fruit of the spirit in the way you deal with people and deal with your employees, uh, just deal with life, you know, you're going to reap the fruit from, from that effort. And, you know, that's been the case. And now, that's not to say there haven't been trials and tribulations. You know, the Bible says there will be. Uh, you know, we've had to deal with lots of stuff through the years. But, you know, if you always deal with it forthrightly, you know, honestly, with integrity and, and you know, an ethical uh, attitude towards it, you know, you're going to do well over time. Yeah, no question. Yeah, and I've always been a faith-based person, right? I've always brought that into um, into my business. I mean, because what we do is an extension of who we are. And like you said, you've built this business as a ministry, first off, and the value that, you know, that vision for Absolutely. you had. I mean, so, okay, talk about that. So you started as a ministry. What was the vision at the time that you were looking at the business, looking to build it? What was your vision at that point? And has it shifted? Well, you know, I'm, I'm not proud to admit that when I started this business, I had come out of a, a, a desert experience. You know, fortunately, it wasn't 40 years, <laughs> but I had come out of a desert experience and I had learned one basic principle that God taught me more than anything else. And that was that I do the work, but he gets the results, okay? mm. that God gets the results, not mm. me. I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm only responsible for the effort. And so because I knew that, and I really believed that, and I had internalized that, and that really became part of the fabric of everything that I did, thought, and said, then when I started the business, uh, it was based on that premise. And so instead of always being pushing and trying to get ahead and, you know, knock doors down and, you know, be successful to the highest degree and all that type of stuff, you know, I put the effort in at the highest level I could professionally, but I didn't worry about the outcome. And because I never was concerned about the outcome, I just trusted God to, to do what he says in Romans eight twenty eight to work all things together for good for those who love the Lord and are called to his purpose. So by applying that principle, you know, it was just an obvious way to start the business and to keep it going. You know, and that's beautiful. And here's the thing, people need to hear that message, right? 
effort. You know, you put in the effort and you have to release the tension of the outcome sometimes because, you know, you can do all the right things, but if, if you're trying to make the impossible happen, you've got to sometimes just release that tension and just let it happen like it's supposed to. Absolutely. And uh, it's very hard to do because we are control freaks at our very core. Yeah. Right. We're human. <laughs> we're yeah, we're exactly. human. But the, exactly. the, the thing that I love about that message right there, Guy, is, you know, your ability to just allow the outcome and just trust that it, there's, you know, and that faith is really truly trust, you know, that um, when you put in the right amount of effort and you do those things that you do, you do, you just have to trust that it's all going to play out like it's supposed to and serve at its highest. Yeah. And you know, uh, Philippians 4, 6 was really the, the verse that I clung to for many, many years. And that is, you know, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, in prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to the Lord. And so that command to be anxious for nothing just plays right into the I do the work and God gets the results. And when you make those work together, uh, you know, there's a peace about the way you live your life that you can't find any other way. Yeah. Yeah. You're not chasing, um, you're allowing. And there's a big difference between those two things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I that's why I bring it forward because, you know, you come highly recommended. Um, you know, anybody that does not know Dr. Guy Baker, I, you know, you're going to see in the show notes just the value that you've brought into the world and, and how you have served as a servant leader. You know, not only you know, in a space of, of helping people with wealth, because, you know, that's kind of the currency of everything, right? And so um, blessings that you're an absolute, you know, genius and, and have the ability to bring it forward in a way that it's just, uh, it's just the right kind of light that we need. Well, you're very kind with those words. Um, you know, we're, <laughs> we, we all walk in the same shoes, right? We right. all follow the same path. It's, you know, right. God is, God's in control. And if God's in control, then you know, our job is just to follow him. Yeah. Well, and that message is so important. You know, as a chief inspirational officer, I mean, that's just um, to inspire a vision is really at the core of what I meant to do and called to do. And when I can paint the picture so clear for somebody to see it for themselves, I mean, that I think there is a gift. So, okay. So is there anything as we're coming to the close of this episode, is there anything um, that you would like to share that we didn't bring up in this conversation today? You know, I, I mean, I, I think the, uh, you know, I don't know what your audience is totally, but, you know, assuming that there are people in your audience who may be struggling with their faith right now or questioning whether God really loves them, I guess the message that I would like to say is, is that, you know, I've been through it all. I, you know, I've had kids in drug alcohol rehab. We've lost our daughter uh, at age 46 to a glioblastoma. You know, I've been in lawsuits that I shouldn't have been in because, you know, of issues that I had nothing to do with. I mean, I, you know, we've we've experienced, you know, almost every major types of trial and tribulation you could have in your life. And I'm just telling you, if, if it weren't for my relationship with God and my trust in God, it would have been an entirely different outcome. So I would just encourage anybody who's struggling in their life to go back to the Bible, get back in church, get to a good Bible teaching pastor, good Bible teaching church, and write the word of God on your heart and cling to it because God never lies. God's covenants and promises are always true. And no matter what things look like, you can trust that God is in control. 
What a beautiful, beautiful message. Thank you, Dr. Guy Baker. This has just been an absolute delight. So we invite you to share this podcast with others and thank you in advance for that partnership. If you enjoyed this episode and it left you feeling inspired, please share your biggest takeaway in our Perform and Get Paid community Facebook page. This is where we will engage and respond to your questions. Guy, once again, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure being with you. I love your question. <laughs> thank you. This is Marlo Higgins, your host and Chief Inspirational Officer. Have an awesome rest of your day. Did you enjoy this podcast? If so, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. As your Chief Inspirational Officer, I coach passionate entrepreneurs like you to achieve complete confidence and clarity to reach your one-year goal in 90 days. Learn how you can get more done in less time with my number one proven formula for consistency and clarity. Simply go to go.marlohiggins.com to download. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next week on 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo.